people. They're everywhere. And whether or not people are your thing, God put us together for a reason. And he talks about it all throughout his word. From the very beginning, he said it's not good for man to be alone. And he started the first family. We need each other because just like iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. And we could all use a little sharpening. Together, we can carry each other's burdens when times get tough. We receive encouragement. We build one another up. And sometimes, we just need someone to be there and to listen. We can't do everything on our own, but maybe that's the point. In the body of Christ, you're part of a community, a group of people who all struggle but are devoted to one another in love, meeting together, serving each other, learning that everyone has their flaws, and reaching our cities with a message of grace. So today, we want to help you find your people and get you connected with the group. Because after all, we're designed by God to be better together. Well, good morning. Brought my Auburn folder today. Just wanted to let y'all know that. That's the way to get those young people up right from the get-go, right? All right. Well, this morning is um, our church conference, and so for a little bit of the first part, we'll be giving some reports as to um, the financial... um, statement of the church and missions, uh, but we want to begin this morning with an announcement, and uh, our children's director, Andrea Stovall, is going to come and make that announcement. So, Andrea, you come. Oh, you've got a video first. Okay, we'll play the video. I'm Randy Galusa, president of the Institute for Creation Research. It's hard to believe that ICR has completed over 50 years of scientific research As you know, we bring the confidence-building truth that Christians can believe the Bible starting with, in the beginning, God created. It certainly doesn't seem like it's been five decades of research. The excitement that I felt when reading Acts and Facts for the first time lit a fire for creation science within me that, to this day, has not diminished. I remember how the message from ICR was like a cup of cold water in one hand and a map home in the other at a time when I was lost in a scientific and spiritual wasteland. As the saying goes, I shudder to think where I would be today without the intervention of ICR. Now, as president, I'm privileged to read so many messages from Christians with the same story. A lot of them are from you, our friends, who have been partnering with us on this campaign to show that science confirms the accuracy of God's Word. We are creation scientists, and together with our valuable staff, we are honored to be included with the Bible-believing scientists of the past. Some founded important scientific disciplines, all while staying faithful to their church. ICR exists to support the local church. One of our primary jobs is to help pastors lead, feed, and defend their flock. How? Well, we do the scientific research to provide Christians with answers to the challenges coming from a huge crowd of secular scientists and skeptics. Along those lines, ICR has renewed our effort for rigorous scientific research. Today, 
we sense that our most pressing assignment from the Lord Jesus is to fundamentally change the way people understand biology. Our task is to put together a completely new theory of biological design, one that unites recent scientific discoveries and respects the biblical narrative. The theory would explain the innumerable, fascinating examples of creatures' abilities. We'll accentuate their highly engineered internal systems. By doing this, we'll give glory to their creator, the Lord Jesus, and not to nature. We understand that approaching biology from an engineering perspective may be so new to many of you, but it's long overdue. Can you think of any part of a creature that wasn't engineered? We anticipate that engineering-based models for any biological function, like adaptation, will become standard explanations in Christian textbooks and museums. These will be vital as we educate young believers for many generations. We also pray that an engineering-based approach to biology will once again stir up a sense of certainty in Christian truth. Recall that I said that ICR's most pressing assignment is to change how people understand biology, but that is not our only assignment. We are not scaling anything back in the physical sciences. Our research in geology, the Ice Age, and the like will continue with as much vigor as ever. Our name and purpose haven't changed. We're still the ICR that you know, love, and support. Our foundation endures as solid as when it was laid by Drs. Henry M. Morris and Dwayne Gish. So, whether you've just heard about our ministry or have partnered with us from the beginning, ICR remains your trustworthy resource for cutting-edge science that confirms the Bible and equips Christians to defend our faith. Without a doubt, we are excited to increase our impact by revealing the incredible, literally mind-blowing wonders of divine engineering within the realm of biology. There is so much out there that will leave you astounded. All of us, as followers of Christ and as creationists, continue to have a big part to play in this. Countless numbers of our friends over many years have had their hands in advancing some piece of ICR's ministry. So, if you volunteer at our events, give to us, or pray for ICR, I want to say on behalf of our wonderful staff, thank you very much. As you can tell, we are very excited about this new era in the life of ICR. But please know that through everything we communicate, we will always seek to consistently exalt the Lord Jesus as our Creator, our Savior, and our returning King. There we go. All right. If you don't know me, I'm Andrea Stovall. I'm the Children's Director here, and I'm going to talk about the Institute for Creation Research. Um, two years ago, we had uh, the privilege of having Dr. Thomas on a Sunday. He did a couple of uh, sessions for us, and uh, he talked about dinosaurs, and it was just uh, really great uh, to have him here, and he was so 
he talked on our level. It was easy to understand him, and I could have just listened to him all day. And I thought, man, I want to I wanna hear him again. So last year I thought, what if we... Uh, we love our fall festival here, and our community really loves our fall festival. Every year they come, they're like, man, y'all just do the best fall festival. We enjoy coming. And I thought, what if we do a massive dino-themed fall festival? And I thought, what if we have Dr. Thomas come back and do a lead-up to our fall festival and have him come for several days? Um, I think Thad suggested let's have him for several days. And so... Um, I didn't know if I'd get Dr. Thomas, but we got Dr. Thomas, and he will be here um, October 22nd through the 25th for our fall festival. So um, I think you got a handout today. Um, he will be here with us Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, um, and he'll be here for five sessions. So I encourage you to save this flyer and come to all of them. He, If you weren't here two years ago... Um, he is just, he speaks on our level. He will use words you understand. He'll say some words you don't understand, but he will explain it. Um, he, he is just the neatest guy. And um, things he will talk about, about dinosaurs, and um, the way he explains things, and he is just um, amazing. And he has a lot of resources that he'll have on a table out, out in our foyer. And... Um, so I encourage you to come. I encourage you to invite your friends to this. And um, so he will have all these great sessions, and then he'll be at our fall festival just hanging out if I encourage you to go ask him questions. So um, and then uh, for our fall festival, we have a lot of opportunities for you to help at that and um, set up, clean up. Um, we're going to have, everything's going to be dino themed too. Uh, we're going to have a, a dig site with uh, some dino eggs that the kids will be able to dig up and chisel out a dinosaur, um, just like when the guys go out and find a dinosaur bones to dig up. Um, we are, my artists are in the process of helping me carve out 3D dinosaur heads and arms to put in our bushes. It's going to be in my head, it's really good, so y'all can pray that it comes to fruition. Uh, it's probably the biggest fall festival we've ever uh, designed and are planning, so um, it's going to be really cool. So I hope y'all, I encourage y'all to come out. Um, we, we usually run about 250 visitors at our fall festival, so come out, meet our community from our surrounding areas. Um, it's just a really great time of fellowship and um ministering to our community and uh, sharing the love of Christ. Uh, make, knowing Christ and making Christ known, that's our mission statement. So this is a great outreach opportunity for our church to do. So I encourage you to come out and be a part of it. Thank you. And it's time for Children's Church. The Children's Church kids up through fourth grade can leave with me now. It's a little disconcerting. I come up here and half the people leave. <laughs> half the little people leave. Well, good morning. Good morning. If you don't know me, <clears throat> I'm Eddie Bradley. I work with the Missions Committee. And uh, 
just wanted to give you a little report, a summary of what's gone on this past year and uh, kind of what we're looking forward to. Uh, you know, missions is, has always been a major portion of, this, of the, the principles of this church stands and operates on. And um, I think it's, it's something that we've been committed to the whole time we've existed. And I think that uh, also God has honored that commitment with the way he's blessed us with the many things we've been able to do with the funds that have come in. And uh, that's in thanks also to you, to the congregation, the believers here who also have that commitment to missions to give to it financially or to work with the committee or to help us in leading teams that go out into the world for short term. And uh, thank you for all of that as well. Um, I'll start with our missions conference from last year in March. We usually have it the first two weeks in March every year. And uh, last year, uh, we felt like it was well, well received by you, and I certainly enjoyed it. We had 30-minute in-person uh, reports from eight of our missionaries over two weekends. And we also had several five-minute videos from missionaries that were not able to be with us. And that just seemed to, seems a great way to get to know our missionaries better. They're here for a week, a weekend, a couple of weekends, and to uh, hear what they are doing, how the Lord's using them across the world, both uh, foreign and um, many of our missionaries are here in the States. Um, and we're beginning to plan the next year's conference already. We've got to look forward and be able to get find out who we can get to come. We like the format. I suspect we'll do it the same way, where we use both the Sunday school hour and the regular worship session to have two of our missionaries each in those periods to give us a report on what they've been doing. Um, and a little information about our family of missionaries, how we like to call them. And we do really think of them as family. When they have needs or hurts, we hurt with them. We try to help supply needs with uh, the ministry, with the work that they're doing. And that's just a commitment we have. Some churches don't know their missionaries at all. We like to have that direct relationship with them. And that's why almost all of the missions that we support are individuals. We have one or two where we support something like um, uh, what it's not save a life anymore. It's what? Positive choices. We support that ministry itself. We were supporting the director, and she said, no, just give it to the, the ministry. So... Um, but, but we like that personal in-touch connection with our, men, with our missionaries and uh, like for you to be able to gain that opportunity as well. All right, then uh, financially, and this is one of the awesome things that God has blessed that's just, uh, it's mind-blowing. We started the fiscal year, October last year, with $8,100 in our account. And that's the way we had existed for a long time. We would have not quite enough to support the next month's uh, checks going out to our missionaries, but that it would usually come in during that month that we needed to pay it. So God's always provided, and uh, we're grateful for that. This is the number that blows my mind. This year we received over $324,000 in missions contributions. And that represented an 86% increase over last year. God just really blessed, opened the, the floodgates to give us things 
money that we could do things with. And that's the way we always think of it. When we have extra money, we've given our support out for the month, and we've got some thousands of dollars left, we almost always have missionaries come up and tell us we really need to have this for our ministry. Our funds for the ministry that we're doing are down to where we need more or we have to dis discontinue some things. So this year we have had a great abundance. Um, our monthly support that we send out every month is uh, a little over $148,000 a month, and that's just the regular monthly giving. And we've also been able to meet some of these special needs that I mentioned uh, to a tune of over $43,000. Those types of needs are um, helping to replenish their ministry funds. And missionaries usually go out and they have personal funds and ministry funds. The personal funds buy them the house, their food, pay utilities or whatever it might be. But then they have ministry funds where they need to purchase things to do the ministry that they're doing. So ministry fund replenishment, several of our missionaries and others have had medical and travel expenses that have been way beyond what they were able to help cover and the Lord provides money, we've been able to help them with that. We send out a Christmas gift every year financially to each of our missionaries just as a God bless you kind of thing. Uh, they have special ministry projects going on that they need help with and we've been able to help support that. Uh, we've sent money to help build a church in Guatemala. We've sent money to help uh, build dormitories for the orphans that we support in Uganda um, and we've sent money even to Camp Ponderosa for building materials to help maintain their cabins and things like that so that's where that's gone short-term trips um, this year we've had eight trips and that's awesome we've never had that many usually it's much less two or three maybe um, but those two or three would have 20 to 30 people on them these had six, eight, 10, 12, something like that. The trips were to uh, uh, Rio Grande Bible Institute in South Texas, right next to the border, uh, to Belize, to England, Portugal, France, Alaska, Uganda, and Scotland. And if you remember back at the end of July, we had one Sunday where we had the four, trip, four teams that went on trips that had finished their trips to give a report during the service. We're gonna do that again at the end of this month, the last Sunday, for the last four teams, and they're gonna be able to report to us what they were doing and the encouragement it was for them. Um, those short-term trips were pretty expensive this year because we wanted people to go. So we spent uh, about $76,000 out of our funds for that. Um, and our ending balance at the end of September was 82000 So the amount that we have in our fund from the beginning of the fiscal year to the end of the fiscal year was up by 10, 10 times. Um, we, have, we had received a special request again from the Hope for Uganda Children's Home. Uh, the government came in and said, you cannot have one dormitory with the boys living at one end something else in the middle, and the girls had a separate area at the other end. You have to have a whole separate building for them. They said, if you don't have it within a month and a half, we're going to shut you down. And that's not much time to build a whole new building to us. 
They don't have building codes. They don't have inspectors. And they can put up something in a hurry. Um, but they needed funds to do that. So we were able to send them money for that as well this past, uh, past month. Uh, just to let you know how we've been spending money. Um, we hope that a large portion of what's left over, which is going to be about 60000 we'll be able to put towards missions trips for next summer. Um, and if people continue to give, we can build that up higher if we need to. Um, so for the future, um, again, as I said, we're, we're planning our, new, our next conference in March. Or we're getting ready to get into that. And we've already started talking about planning for um, mission trips this coming summer. We had eight this year. We sat down the other night and started just throwing out ideas, and we came up with about 12 possible trips. I don't know if we can do all that. Eight nearly killed us. <laughs> but uh, I know that uh, Andrea has volunteered to help with the coordination of those trips, and that will be a big blessing as well. Um, any questions? Big, how big is our missions family? We currently have 39 different missions, um, missionaries that we support. Um, and that's, I think, one or two over than what we began the year with. We had, um, let's see if I can find where I had it here. Uh, over the past year, we've had three missionaries families retire and so we're no longer supporting them but we had five new ones come on we were able to bring on extras and we thank the Lord for that too they've been a blessing so that's where we are with that and I think that I tried to count it up I think that um, of those 39 missionaries uh, we have 17 of them in foreign countries uh, and the rest of them based here in the U.S., though they, some of them deal a lot with foreign ministries themselves. They might be directing them from afar. Um, they might be encouraging, like the, the England trips. Um, uh, Wyatt Gwynn, is, his ministry is to hook up U.S. churches with British churches to gain support, develop relationships, that kind of thing. So he's here in the U.S., but every trip he takes is, is over in England or Great Britain somewhere. So that's kind of how that works. Yeah, David. Yeah, our our monthly commitment is one hundred and forty-eight thousand. That's that's the that's yearly. I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's twenty-seven seventy a month, is is what it is. Sorry, I I, I did probably say it wrong, but. Uh, that is the monthly support for the whole year. Yeah, if we put out 148000 a month, <laughs> that would be some happy missionaries. <laughs> anyway, anything else? I would encourage you to consider going on trips with us this year. Um, you'll hear reports in a couple of weeks from those that just got back. You'll be encouraged. And going on the trips can change your lives. It can change your commitment to missions. I know that many missionaries end up starting out with short-term trips, and the Lord works in their hearts so that they said, he wants me to go do something different. And it's a different thing to leave the life you have and, and go serve the Lord, but that's the commitment the Lord asks us of, asks of us. That's all. Thank you.
Good morning, I'm Tom Reed. I'm gonna give a financial report. And you should have received a sheet with the all the numbers on it if you didn't and would like to one, if you'd raise your hand, maybe we can get one out to you. I'm also gonna have some slides that will uh, reveal the the uh, the numbers as I go over them. Uh, if you've had a chance to take a look at the financial report already, you know that uh, this is a this is a praise the Lord report, <laughs> and and we're very thankful for what the Lord has been doing this year. Um, we'll start out with the uh, receipts that we had. Um, General fund, we had 748,070. That's a 26% increase in uh, general fund giving. Missions, 343,812. Building fund, 19,892. Uh, benevolence, 535. Designated receipts, 6,270. And I just might mention Designated receipts are what we would uh, classify as uh, money received, like for one of meals, uh, money received for uh, ministry uh, materials for different ministries and all. So that's uh, money that was specifically given for specific things. Uh, children's ministry, 6,632. Youth. 12418 and van purchase, we had $46,421 given for a purchase of a new van. And we do have a van on order. Uh, it was placed here recently, and uh, at the time they said, yeah, well, you can get it between January and July of next year. And that was before the auto workers strike. So... We're not really sure when we'll be getting that van, but uh, it is on order. And we had a bus sale last year of $12,000 that came in. So that was total receipts of $1,196,050. Uh, disbursements. Now, this slide doesn't show all of them, but you'll have to refer to your uh, page for that. Uh, the other disbursements were those items that I couldn't put up here. It'd be, the, the numbers would be so small you wouldn't be able to read them. But in our disbursements, uh, starting out with um, emissions contributions, as Eddie mentioned, is 324431 uh, Missions, other distributions, that is what we call direct emissions uh, payments, and that was particularly for uh, the airline tickets. Most of the mission trips this year required air travel, and so anything charged on the church credit card for air travel would be in, in that category, as well as any kind of specific, specific uh, mission offerings that we had, and I'm thinking specifically for uh, last year we had uh, Ukraine uh, relief fund that we contributed to, and that would be part of that, plus any honorariums that we had for mission speakers. Uh, I won't go over each one of these individually, but down uh, you'll notice on transfer to savings, 
we were able to transfer $355,000 into savings accounts this year. Um, taking the disbursements from the receipts, we had uh, at the end of September $19,070 in the checking account. And if you'll notice uh, down at the bottom of the sheet, uh, the savings accounts, we have $503,716 in savings. Part of that was already committed. Well, of course, it'll be used for the van when it's de delivered. Uh, but another is uh, expenditure that we're having is that we're expanding our parking. Uh, We've already done some design work for that, and construction should be starting pretty soon. And we'll be getting uh, what we're estimating to be about 35 parking places, which all of you know that we need that. So that'll be coming up shortly. Um, if you have any questions, I'll be available afterward, you know, during the uh, fellowship that we're having, and I'll be glad to answer those at that time. So thank you. I was going to say, y'all clap for missions. You better clap for that financial report, too. <laughs> the Lord was very, very, uh, has been very gracious uh, to us as a congregation. Um, you know, the only thing I can think of is just praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. And um, the funds are there for His purposes. And so you pray that the elders and leadership will have uh, wisdom as to what the Lord uh, wants us to do with his money, because it's his money. And uh, we are just asking that uh, you would pray for us, that we, we would be good stewards of what God has entrusted us uh, with. Well, there are a lot of different things I could share this morning, but the Lord took me to a passage of Scripture and uh, I don't know who this is for, if it was just for Thad or if it's for you too. But um, I'd like you to take your Bibles and go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. And I wanted to share with you this morning something that got my attention. I had someone ask me recently um, about preaching sermons. And the question was, so Thad... If you've been pastoring at a church for X amount of years, is it hard to come up with new material? <laughs> Things that they've not already heard. And I said, well, sometimes I think that is true when it comes to like different seasons, you know, special seasons like Christmas or Thanksgiving or, you know, communion. I try to, with the help of the Lord, vary the different text. Um, but one of the things that uh, I've been doing this fall after I finished First John was just asking the Lord just to help me with some different single messages since, we don't, since I don't have consecutive Sundays, uh, especially like the month of October. It's been broken up quite a bit. Uh, that will change hopefully here in the near future. But um, I was just captured by one word. And I don't know what this is going to do for you, but um, as I was reading through the New Testament, um, the word finally caught my attention. Um, we know that word, don't we? 
Yes? You think about the different context in which we know that word. You might have a student say, finally, my mom and dad are going to let me drive that car by myself. Finally. Well, that's one of those trusting the Lord days, isn't it? When we put those kids in the car. (laughs) Uh, Parents might feel like that when our children leave the nest, so to speak. Finally, they're leaving, right? Finally, they're gone, and I will say to you, they will be back. You might have even used the word finally as it relates to vacation. Finally, we're going on a vacation. You ever said that? Finally. Finally, we are on our way to church. My wife and I, I'll just say this, we've driven to church only a handful of times in 30-something years. Finally, we're on our way to church, right? Sometimes... There can be, how would we say, discussions even in the car on the way to church that aren't very advantageous, advantageous because, or encouraging because we were waiting on someone to finally get in the car so we could leave. When you're at a restaurant, how many of you get impatient when you're waiting to sit down? Any of you besides me? How many of you have ever actually walked in a restaurant and after a few minutes thought, I need to manage this place. This is not working out well. And so we finally get to be seated, right, at restaurants. And then one that I thought that would be appropriate, finally that preacher is done. (laughs) It's interesting when you go to the New Testament and you look up that word... Uh, finally, it was just a part of Paul's writing. And uh, in fact, I've given to you on your handout this morning different uh, scriptures that were um, where the Apostle Paul uses the word uh, finally. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, finally, brethren... Rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. You know what happens at times when you're listening to someone and they say, finally we're going to look at this. Boy, that, that, that word can be kind of a temptation to just check out. When you get to a passage of Scripture at the end of a book... And Paul says, finally, maybe we don't pay as much attention to what he is about to say. In fact, I would argue that that probably is the case. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, which is a tremendous passage of scripture, um, he says, finally, and you're like, Paul, you're not done. In fact, how we have it recorded... There are five chapters. So finally doesn't necessarily mean I've only have a few more words. There are several thoughts that Paul shared with the church at Thessalonica after he used that word finally in chapter 4, verse 1. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified. And he continues with that thought. Well, the one that got my attention that I wanted to bring to your attention today 
is Philippians chapter 4 in verse 9, where Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report or good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise... Dwell on these things. And that word dwell means to concentrate or think on these things. Do you know that that word finally is used in chapter 3 of Philippians? How many of you knew that? Right? Chapter 3. If you go back, look at chapter 3, verse 1. Finally... Brethren, rejoice in the Lord. So you get an indication from chapter 3, verse 1, that Paul is almost done, but he's not. In fact, he addresses a whole other subject before we get to chapter 4, where in uh, verse 8 he says, finally, brethren. So that word just kind of caught my attention, and I wanted to talk to you this morning about the context and what's going on here in Philippians chapter 4. Notice he gives these different uh, things that the believer is to think on or concentrate on. He gives that to us in chapter 4 and verse 8. Well, that word dwell, like I said, means to think on or to concentrate on. So I begin to think about the mind. When you think about that word dwell or think, or concentrate, you need to think about the word mind, M-I-N-D. You know, what do we have on our mind? Um, How are we influenced as believers? How is our mind influenced? And so I began to list some things, the way we are influenced as people, things that influence man's thinking. You think man is influenced? Oh, yeah. Yep, man's influenced by what he sees. You like that? Don't you like that little thing? By the way, I put this PowerPoint together, so you can grade that PowerPoint if you'd like to. What man sees. Many times what we see can even remain with us for years and years and years. Think about something that maybe you looked at years and years and years ago that you shouldn't have looked at. Isn't it amazing the power of an image? You know, you drive by or through downtown Birmingham and you see these billboards. When I go to big cities, I like like to look for the next Alexander Shannara. Who is the Alexander Shannara in Nashville? Who's the Alexander Shannara in Indianapolis? I mean, they have these people, right? And, And you see that and it's just this image that... Almost you cannot erase. It's so vivid. I have a memory of something that I saw when I was 17 years old. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Because it was important to me. I was playing baseball. I had never hit a home run. And I was up to bat. And I hit that ball. And I launched that thing to left field. And that thing was going. I was watching it. That thing was going. I should have been running. That thing was going and going and going, and it hit the top of the fence. 
and came back into the field of play. This is when you do, aw, because I never hit a home run. But I could see, vividly see still today, that baseball hitting the top of that fence and going back into left field. I only got a double. I probably should have got a triple. But I was watching it because I thought I had tagged it really well. So the things that we can recall by just sight, things that have been introduced into our lives just by what we see. Isn't it amazing the power and what's involved when it comes to sight? We warn our children, don't we, when we're bringing them up. Be careful what you go to when you're looking at your phones, right? Or your tablets or whatever it is. And that instruction is not just for children. That's for all of us that are in this building. So we're influenced by what we see. Man is. We're influenced by what we hear. Don't, isn't that a cute little ear? Found that little ear. You know, today, um, boy, you... You're hard-pressed to walk in a store without people having something in their ear, right? You ever made the mistake of trying to talk to somebody in line because you thought they were talking to you? Any of you want, I've done that. This lady was unloading her groceries on the, uh, in Publix one day, and, and she's just, she's like, da 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 she's talking. I'm like, ma'am, did you say something? She's like, and pointing to her ear. Um, she wasn't interested in me at all. Um, we are influenced by what we hear. I grew up in the 1970s. I, I can still remember some of the music that I listened to. Any of you recall the music you listened to? We're influenced by what we hear. So it can be a podcast, right, that we listen to. We're influenced by that. I remember um, one of the things I thought of was um, sitting in Mission Chapel. This has been uh, several years ago. Sitting in a missions chapel at Southeastern Bible College in 1982 and listening to a missionary who was from New York City. And I remember hearing his challenge. Now, I can't give you the words verbatim, but it was something like this. All of you in this chapel need to be open to where the Lord wants you to go. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget hearing that. I was excited to hear that. I don't know how many times even before in my life that that had been said, but that day it registered with me. I heard it for the first time. You know, it's like saying a verse in the Bible. You can say a verse in the Bible, even from memory, but have you really heard it? What is it saying, right? You can have a pastor who says to you on a Sunday morning, turn in your Bibles to this passage, and you're like, I've heard that before. You ever been guilty of that? Sure you have. I've heard that before. But have you really heard it? Um, man is influenced by what he hears. You think about the news. Woo. There's one. Man is influenced by what he hears. He's influenced by what he sees. I like the picture of the little boy, so I know it's supposed to be a man or a woman, but I like the little boy. Man's influenced by what he reads. It can be, there aren't too many people who read the paper anymore, but it could be an article that you get off of the internet. It can be a magazine article if you still have a magazine that you open up. Um, it can be a book that you read 
outside of Scripture that influences you. Uh, it can be the back of a cereal box. Anybody read the back of a cereal box? You ever done that before? I got a recipe one time off the back of a cereal box. Corn flakes. You can do a lot with corn flakes, all right? You, you can take corn flakes and put them in a bowl and, 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 and get that milk and put over there and, and you can eat that. I like, I like my corn flakes. I was thinking about this week and I thought, eh, they're not going to know that, but I'm going to tell them anyway. I like it where it's just a little bit soggy. Not soggy, soggy, but just a, any of you like that? Just, maybe I'm just a weird guy when it comes to that. But on the back, I've seen on the back of cornflakes um, recipes, and one of the recipes was for chicken. Like any of you, for me? So you take those little cornflakes and you smash them up, right? You get the chicken wet, you smash it up, then you put that, put that, um, put the smashed up cornflakes on top, bake it in the oven. Woo! You got good deliciousness, I promise you. So I know, you know what's going to happen this week? Somebody's going to text me and say, hey, Thad, we tried that. I've, never, I've always wanted to know what frosted flakes on the top of chicken would taste like. That might not be too good. But anyway, we're influenced by what we read. It led me to try that one day at home. Okay, So we in, are influenced by what we read. I didn't put these in your notes, but we're influenced by what we want or what man wants. Oh, my goodness, we're influenced by what man wants. If our thoughts are money and success, we're going to do everything we can to gain that. If our focus in our mind is on family and friends, then the priority in our life is going to reflect that. If our mind, if our focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ, then it's going to impact our thinking. All right, so what man wants? Do I want a closer relationship with the Lord? Well, if I do, I need to be in the Word of God. That is going to impact my mind. Um, then one more thing I thought of is what man does. There are several things you could write down. But what man does impacts his thinking. Um, how many of you are familiar with fantasy football leagues? Any of you familiar with that? Do you know, there are people who spend extraordinary amounts of time on focusing on fantasy football leagues. Now, whether you're in one or not, I could care less. But here's the bottom line. I know this about them because I know people who are involved with that stuff. And it can take your mind even beyond a Sunday. Did you know that? Because you're involved in all these players and I need to know what they did this past week so I'll know how to, how to um, see them the next week as I think through what I do in that fantasy football league. So what man does absolutely impacts his thinking. In fact, Jonathan Edwards said this, the ideas and images in men's minds are invisible powers that constantly govern them. So what you put in your mind, does it matter? Mm, it matters, okay? You know, Martin Luther made a comment. It's really interesting, I thought. He said, while one cannot prevent birds... From flying overhead, one can prevent them from building the nest in their hair. Far too many Christians have let sinful thoughts lie on their head. True or false? True. Different way to put it. 
but it's true. And you know, just so that we understand, the Bible speaks about the mind on several occasions. In our Bible, it tells us to take, that we are to take every thought, what? Captive. I gave you some verses there, but there's two of them I don't think I listed. One of them is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. You know that word renewing there is an important word. It's one that doesn't get discussed much. I've heard people teach this uh, many, many times. They concentrate on conformed and transformed. And we know the word transformed is where we get the word metamorphosis, and you hear that discussed a lot. But renewing is a really critical word here in the context. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That, that word there is the idea of yielding our mind to the Lord. In other words, Lord, you've got my mind, right? And we need that. In fact, that leads to the uh, next verse that comes from Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. As we yield our minds to the Lord, Paul encourages the Colossian believers, he says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. That word set there means to fix or to concentrate. Wow, there's so many things, though, that we're distracted with in this culture. How in the world are we going to have that focused time in concentrating on the things of the Lord? Well, I want to just look this morning with you briefly at a couple of things that Paul describes here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. And I want you to understand the context because I think you'll appreciate it a little bit more. In chapter 4, verse 6, look down in your Bibles. Paul tells the believers there, be anxious for nothing. So the Lord doesn't want his body to be anxious about anything. And so Paul says, look, let me give you the remedy for that. The remedy for your anxiety is to give everything over to the Lord with thanksgiving. That's the rest of the verse. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Okay? So we don't want anxiety in our lives as Christians. So he says, this is the remedy for it. And if you give these things to the Lord, he says, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But that's not all as it relates to the formula for ridding yourself of anxiety. Not only does he say, hey, look, give everything to the Lord with thanksgiving, but you know what he does? He says, this is where your mind needs to be. How easy is it for you to labor over something to the point of anxiety where you go through your whole day and all you're thinking about is something you cannot control? That ever happened to you? Yeah, we can't control so, so many things. And we really do need to do what Paul said. We need to give things over to the Lord. But we also, I believe in context, need to understand that our mind... And what we think on can impact us negatively or it can impact us positively. And Paul talks about the positive that if we'll think on these things, these things will help us as it relates to the anxiety that 
meets us in our life almost on a daily basis. Well, he gives to these believers several things that they are to think on. I wanted to take you through the first two, and I wanted to just give you these to think about uh, today, all right? The question is, what does Paul demand from his readers? Now, I use that word demand intentionally because it reflects the tone of Paul's instruction. Look in verse 8. At the end of the verse, he says, dwell on these things. That word dwell is an imperative. He's not asking them to do it. He's not requesting that they do it. He's telling them to do it. Don't you love that when someone tells you what to do? That's exactly what Paul is doing with these believers. He's saying, look, you must do this. If we want to have peace in our life as Christians, we need to make sure that our minds are directed in the right places. And so Paul is telling these believers, listen, you must do these things. You want peace in your life as a Christian? Do these things. Not only are we to give these things to the Lord, but we're to dwell on these other things, all right? That word... Uh, they're true. There are three syn- synonymous terms that you could put there. Think on whatever is honest. Think on whatever is reliable. Think on whatever is valuable. That's the definition of the word. Um, I gave you in your notes, you should have on the back of your sheet at the top, it says, what does Paul demand from his readers? And then I gave you Plenty enough space here to write honest, reliable, and valuable, okay? Underneath that, you should have three blanks. You see those blanks? And under those blanks, there are uh, scriptures from Psalm 119. Everybody see that? So those three words, honest, reliable, and valuable, go in those three blanks in that order. Okay, I want to make sure that everybody's got that. So right under number one where it says, think on whatever is true, and in parentheses, we've written honest, reliable, and valuable underneath with those verses from Psalm 119. That first blank, you should have honest. The second blank is reliable, and the third blank is valuable. When I looked up the definition of that word true, I don't know why the Lord led me to Psalm 119, but he did. I think he did because, as you know, reading through Psalm 119, you guys know there's 176 verses in that psalm. And in that psalm, you will find described these words, honest, reliable, and valuable as it relates to the Word of God. So you're going to see that the psalmist talks about the honesty of the Word of God and the reliability of the Word of God, and the value of the Word of God. So I've given you an exercise. You like exercises? Excellent. If you'll go through there, you'll see under honest, Psalm 119.29 and Psalm 119.104. But then I put for you Psalm 119, and then you put the verse next to it. And then under the word reliable, I did the same thing. Under the word valuable, the same thing. So... Under the word valuable, just for the sake of example, look at Psalm 119, 40. Behold, I long for your precepts. That's value. 
He's attaching value to precepts there being the word. I long for your precepts. Psalm 119, 11, your word I have treasured in my heart. You're going to be surprised how many verses you'll be able to find and using those headings, attach those verses underneath. You're going to be really surprised by that. But it's tremendous, tremendous stuff. So I encourage you to think on that. The Bible tells us that we're to think on whatever is true. That's what Paul says to these believers in Philippi. Man, you know what I've seen over the last few years? Instead of concentrating on what's true, there's a whole lot of attention that's been placed to concentrating on the lies that are running rampant through our culture, even in the church. I'm not saying we shouldn't recognize when someone's lying. We should. But man, there is just so much concentration on what is false. My question became as I'm sitting going through this, is there enough concentration on what's true? The Bible is what? It's true. Instead of spending three hours watching the news that you can't change, and a lot of that stuff that's going on, you can't figure out whether it's true or not. We know this is true. You get Paul's point? Well, Paul's saying this, first of all, to those believers in Philippi. But it's got application for us as well. So we're to consider those things that are true. That's going to help us as it relates to the anxiety that may be attacking us in our lives. You know what Jesus told his disciples in the upper room? It's a short little verse. There's a lot there. In the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus says to his father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true. So how much time are we spending in the truth? Good question. We ought to be pointing our kids to the truth. How do they deal with all the false that's going on in their culture, in their world at school? How do we help them? We take them to the truth. That's how we help them. Billy Graham, no, hold on a second. Billy Graham said, if our hearts and minds are not filled with God's truth, something else will take, look at this, his place. So our hearts and our minds need to be filled with the word of God, right? We need to concentrate our minds on God's word. So the first thing he tells these believers is think on whatever's true. We're bombarded in this culture by all the things that are false. Let's think on those things that are true. Our Lord is true. In fact, he says, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. Second thing he says and to these believers in Philippi, he says, think on whatever is honorable. That word there means worthy of respect. 
that you and I are to think on those things that are worthy of respect. You know, it's interesting, if you do a little bit deeper dive into that word, the origin of the word is tied to the word worship. Isn't that interesting? That we're to think on those things that are worthy of respect. Well, so when we worship, who is worthy of respect? The Lord is. He's worthy of respect. It just it, It's so put into my mind that every single thing that we do behind this pulpit should point to the one who is the truth. The one who is worthy of respect. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. This pulpit is not a political pulpit. Are you listening to me? You can read the news. You can watch the news. I don't have to tell you that our culture is spiraling downward, do I? I don't have to tell you that. I don't have to tell you about all the atrocities that are going on in our world. You know that. But there are far too many pulpits today whose concentration is on the things not worthy of respect. I think we have a real problem in our culture, in fact, with that. I read this little piece this guy wrote about focus of worship. He said, he wrote, instead of focusing on the evil and the immoral in our culture, we should be focusing in on the one who is worthy of all of our respect. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I've been a witness to something over the last three or four years. I wrote this out so I wouldn't say it wrong. I hope you can appreciate that. I wrote, I've been a witness over the last three years or so to a number of people who have focused a lot more attention on the dishonorable things than the honorable things. Far too much attention has been paid to the ugly going on in the world. In the church, unfortunately, it has caused division. It's caused a lack of focus on the most important things. I'm not suggesting that we have our head in the sand about issues that are going on in our world. Like, for example, what's going on in Israel right now. That's awful. Would I have to be the one to tell you it was awful? Do I need to break all that down on a Sunday morning? I can say I know this. I wouldn't want to be the one messing with God's people, would you? In God's land. But I'm not going to spend an hour talking to you about all the politics that go along with that. So I'm not suggesting that we have our head in the sand about issues going on in our world, but I am suggesting that some people in the church culture have been overtaken. Are you listening to me? Overtaken with these issues to the detriment of their family, to the detriment of their church family, and even to the detriment of spending alone time with the Lord. Now, if you want to talk to me about that statement afterwards, more than happy to do that. You know what? Paul told Timothy to do? Preach the word. 
He didn't say, go change Rome. Couldn't do that. When Jesus was about to ascend to the Father, what did he tell his disciples to do? You go be my witnesses. The focus, I'm afraid, I'm fearful that the focus has changed so much for some, there's no turning back. The church, we are literally living in a time where the church is making the decision about what they're going to uphold. Am I going to uphold the word of God over the issues of the day? Do you know what? I know all these things that are going on in the world, but I know better what my Bible tells me as it relates to what's coming and who's coming. What's coming is the rapture. Who is coming is Jesus Christ. And if we expect things to get better before he comes, we have our head in the sand and have not read the Bible. It's not getting better. And so our focus needs to be on the very best things. Do you see what Paul's saying to these believers in Philippi? Hey, you can't change Rome. You focus on the very best things. You're a new creation now. Old things have been done away with. All things are new. Focus on those things. Well, it's interesting also about this word, honorable. It's only used three other times in the New Testament. Two of those are with, well, all three of them are in the context of leadership. The first two are in the list there that you have in 1 Timothy 3 under the heading of deacons. But it's also used in Titus chapter 2, verse 2, when Paul talks about the older men in the church. You know, as I was thinking about the church conference and thinking about how, why, Lord, are you leading me to this? I know one thing that he wanted me to say. I am so thankful that we have men and women of dignity in this church that we can look up to. Right? Focus on what's worthy of respect or who is worthy of respect. And there are people here at Grace that I know I look up to and I'm thankful for them. They have demonstrated character in their life that is worthy of respect. Wayne Barber, in talking about this particular instruction, said this. Paul uses, oh, excuse me. He says, this is a word when lived out declares, I am under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, you hear that phrase lordship and it brings up a big discussion. You know where lordship belongs? Under sanctification, not under justification. A lot of people have put it under that heading of justification. It's under the heading of sanctification. So... This is a word then when lived out as a believer says I am under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Well, I wanted to just share with you just a quick example of this. In thinking about whatever is honorable, obviously we think about the word of God. But we also, don't we think about characters in the Bible? And there was one such character I thought of. Her name, Hannah. Worthy of respect? Yeah, worthy of respect. You guys know the story of Hannah, 1 Samuel. You guys are familiar with the story. 
and her womb was closed and she begged of the Lord that she would be able to have a son. And the Bible says that the Lord opened her womb. And do you know what's interesting? At the end of chapter 1, listen to the words of Hannah. She says, Oh my Lord, in talking uh, to, to Eli, he says, As your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. You ever thought about what Hannah could have done versus what she did do? The Lord answered her prayer. Some may have said, ah, you know, hey, I got what I wanted, but that's not what she did. Verse 28 says of chapter 1, So I have also dedicated him to the Lord as long as he lives. He is dedicated to the Lord. Worthy of respect? Worthy of respect. There are many people that we could look at as examples in the Bible who were worthy of respect, who honored their Lord like Daniel, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Wouldn't it be great if someone would say of our life, this person is worthy of respect because they follow the one who is the most honorable and that's their focus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I just wanted to get you guys to think through that this morning. I put there at the end of your notes, there's a little assignment for you if you want to do this this afternoon because Paul gives them other things to think on. He says, think on whatever is right and pure and lovely and of good repute, excellence, what's worthy of praise. And so this morning, we're going to close our time out together and sing to the one who is worthy of glory and honor and praise. And so let's bow together as we have our time of singing to the Lord. Father, I just want to thank you this morning for your word and for the change that can take place in our lives as we submit to you and your word, as we think through what Paul discusses here in terms of the mind. We are so bombarded in this culture with things that are not true. Help us to focus on the things that are true. We're bombarded with the things that are dishonorable in our culture. The dishonorable things get FaceTime, so to speak. I pray that we would focus on the honorable things, that we would focus on you and your word, and that we would focus on those people as your word tells us in 1 Corinthians the Old Testament saints are examples for us of what we're to do and what we're not to do. And so we're thankful for the examples that we have in Hannah and Daniel and others that we can look to and look back and go, yes, they ran the race 
focusing in on those things which were true and honorable. So I pray for our minds that you would help us to consider the things that we place or put into our minds on a daily basis. Help us to know that it's no small thing. But Father, I pray you would help us to focus in on the things that bring honor and glory to you. And so as we close our time out together today, singing through these worship songs, I pray that our hearts and our minds are brought back to you and that we are ready to sing to the only one who is worthy of glory and honor, and that's the Lord Jesus. And I pray all these things in his name. Amen. Guys, so we've come together in the house of the Lord this morning, and I just wanted to start off by reading a, a quick passage of Scripture that is where this first song is drawn from and talks about the house of the Lord. And it says from Psalm 84, it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart, my flesh cry out for the living God. We skip down to verse 4, and it said, Blessed, uh, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So let's all stand. Let's worship the Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty, for my soul longs and even faints for you. For hear my heart satisfied within your presence I sing beneath the shadow of your
close, guys, with a song we did a couple of weeks ago that um, uh, the feedback I got was such that I want us to learn it really good. And uh, some of you had already known it and heard it, but um, everybody just really caught the power of the song. It's just a gospel song. And so you guys sing with us this time. to 
the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to be Thank you, guys. That was fantastic. Um, wow, what do you say after that? That's just so good. I love that song. Um, who sings that song, man? Phil Wickham. I like Phil Wickham's songs. All right. Well, we want to have our time of fellowship now. I need to give you just a little bit of instruction. Um, um, the food is in the fellowship hall. Uh, there will be lines that you can go down. I think you have to go get your burger and dog at the window, and then there'll be several uh, places there that you can get your mayonnaise and mustard and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think there are several tables where those condiments are on, so don't just stand by one. You might have somebody encourage you to move along if you are standing there. So uh, make sure that you um, take advantage of the time of fellowship. We have extra hamburgers for... Those of you who may not have signed up or um, if you're visiting with us today and want to eat with us, we'd love to eat with you. So uh, you make sure you hang around and uh, eat with us and fellowship with us. And I think we have uh, root beer and uh, Coke floats today. Isn't that fantastic? So um, I'll save you a little bit of that, all right? And uh, we want to have a word of prayer and a blessing, and then you guys can make your way to the food. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that um, from the cross you said it is finished. Um, as the guys were singing that last song, I, I just couldn't sing because I, I, I was thinking so much about just the message of the song. And um, Lord, please help us that we might be caught up in the gospel and caught up in you. And that uh, you would help us with the distractions of this world. Because there are just so, so many. 
And we're all guilty of being distracted. And uh, we need your help to have victory. We're not going to be perfect in that. Not this side of glory. But as we get older than you, we, we are reminded quite often uh, by you that um, there are lots of things that are um, maybe taking us away from the most important thing. So I pray you'd help us by your spirit. I pray that you would help us as we uh, fellowship together. We'd enjoy our time. And um, you just bless the food that uh, uh, has been prepared. We're thankful for the ones that have done that for all the hard work that's been put together so that we might enjoy time together. We just uh, ask for your blessing, and we're thankful for what you provide for us. And as we heard today, uh, you're just a, a great, great God of provision. And I pray that you would help us um, to be thankful people uh, as we live each day. And uh, all this I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>